When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From north of the wall to the southern parts of Dorne and all the kingdoms in between, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Knapsack, and today it's not just me. Not long, Harris, this time. The the Grand Maester of our podcast will be back soon, as will Rachel the Crusher Cushing. Um, But I'm happy to announce another name I keep saying is uh, part of this team. Uh, I'm so happy to bring him into the fold because I think he's uh, not just a very knowledgeable fan, but an insightful fan uh, and a passionate fan. It is from the Meaning of Podcast uh, with our good friend Robert Butler III and their YouTube page, First Cut, that you should subscribe to right now. That's an intro for Andres Cabrera. Hey. <laughs> How are you, sir? Finally here talking Game of Thrones. So happy to have you here, my <laughs> good friend. Uh, we, of course, met way back during the Schmoes days. Yeah. And actually, you and I met at a convention. That's uh, right. I'll never forget your earnest face. You're like, I just hit the big city, man. Yeah. From, from Arizona to here. Yeah. But uh, so happy to have you on the team. Uh, I, we're going to catch up a little bit here, talk to you about some of your fandoms, and then get into some predictions of season eight. But I, I just we'll start general, uh, Andres, and occasionally audience if I call him Ace. If you're not familiar with that, that's an old Schmo's nickname. Try not to use all the time because I like who you are it's as a person. <laughs> but it's your Twitter handle, it and is. hey, it's Ace. It, it's yeah. what it is. But uh, Andres, when did you hook into Game of Thrones? What what brought you in? Books, show, all of it at once, everything. Definitely show, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who randomly started watching mm. on HBO at home when HBO was having those like specials. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that is. It's just like for free. Come join. Exactly. <laughs> where they show you a little bit of, uh, of HBO for, I think like a week or yeah, two. Yeah. I don't know how, how long it goes for, but I started watching it on TV. I think it was season two or season three. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. So two, you, you jumped in. I jumped in. Yeah. Uh, and it, I was hooked. Mm-hmm. All I all I knew was it was some sort of medieval fantasy show right. where several kings were going at war. So a battle between different kings from different parts of this mysterious yeah. world. And I was hooked right yeah. away. And then from there, eventually, that's when I got more and more into it to the point I got into the books and then I got into the theories and all that stuff. And I became the Game of Thrones expert at work. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where you always have that. Everyone at work watches Game of Thrones. Yeah. But there's that one guy who's in the corner. Hey, hey, hey Andres, telling what's you, that guy's name? Exactly. He's got the beard. He's got a beard and a cape. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> come here, my children. Gather around <laughs> gather my around. desk as I tell you about these theories. That's That was me. That was I, I, we would gather around uh, yeah. our, our desks at work after That's, Game of Thrones every Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would, we would talk about the show. We would theorize what's going to happen. Me and my buddies were were all into it. And I was that one guy with the weird hat who would just <laughs> theorize the most bizarre things. I told everyone about 
our placel. Yeah, yeah. I, I spoil that whole thing. Like, <laughs> so, all my like in your theory, or did you were just like, no, no I this told is, my this friends, like, th- this is this is gonna happen. Yeah. And they were like, what, what's our placel? And I'm like, oh, come here, my children, as I tell you. <laughs> Um, you're the that's maester me. of the, yeah, that's, I was a maester of my, of my <laughs> office space. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I got really into it to the point now that I'm, I'm you know, became obsessed with it. There yeah. was points where all I did was theory after theory, mm-hmm. article after article, Reddit after Reddit, YouTube after YouTube. You video. did the deep dives. I did the deep dives. I did the, I, do, I dove into the online fandom of Game of Thrones, which I think it's, because that's what a lot of people mm-hmm. listening to these kind of podcasts and right. watching YouTube channels, whether it be movie review channels or anime channels, because I'm very into anime. All these kind of people search these YouTube channels, search these podcasts to kind of feel the sense of community mm-hmm. within this nerd world, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better term. Because you come to a point where you're so obsessed with a fictional work of art yeah. that certain people <laughs> yeah. don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I fell into that world and I love it. I'm never leaving it. I love, and I love your origin story of a, of a fan. I, I started prior to, to season one, but I had heard the books, but didn't read them. And it wasn't necessarily, I, I, I get this all the time. Oh, you like Game of Thrones? You should try X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, Game of Thrones is pretty specific. Yeah. I love Lord of the Rings. And maybe that can, I was like, oh, it looks like a Lord of the Rings show, but it's kind of like Star Wars. I consider it you know, space fantasy, less sci-fi. Uh, I like Star Trek, but so I don't, I don't get pulled in by, Oh, you like star Wars. You would like, you would like game of Thrones. You would like Vikings. It's not that Vikings isn't spectacular or, or the last kingdom or something. I'm a game of Thrones nut. And I got pulled in by the show. And I think it's important here. Casterly talk. If you're listening, you don't have to be an obsessive book nut. You don't have to even be obsessive about the show over the books or the books over the shows. I study the maps. I literally pull out the maps and go, mm-hmm, a drift mark, and uh, uh, it's close to White Harbor. I, you know, that's my problem. <laughs> you don't have to be that. We're just here to appreciate it. And I love your story because you seem to be, you, you dive in, and then you go immediately to the theory side where I go more to the history side. I always say I'm bad with theories. I figured stuff out or I read some things. Sure, I have an R plus L equals J shirt. I feel so smug and hip with it, but I go back. You seem to go forward. Is that correct? Yeah. I, would, I mean, you I appreciate the history. I definitely do. And one of my favorite, you know, things I've ever seen when I was getting into Game of Thrones was that mm-hmm. history and lore, Robert's Rebellion oh, video yeah, yeah. with Ferris and Littlefinger narrating and yes. all that. That was, that, that really got me into it. Just the whole story of Robert's Rebellion, I still find it to be probably the most captivating story in all yeah. of Game of Thrones history and lore. I really do. Like even, even the show stuff, I was like, yeah. this is cool, but I kind of want to see Robert's, Robert's Rebellion. Rebellion. <laughs> it sounds so cool. It's so interesting. I, I, you know, George R. R. Martin has said that, Hey, we're not going to see it in the prequel series. We know now. Which broke everyone's heart. Broke a lot of people's that's, hearts. That's what everyone wanted. We'd seen it. It was too much part of the, of the song of ice and fire. Yeah, we saw a lot that. of the flashbacks and while I totally get that, I still think do give me a three hour movie. Give me a three hour movie. You yeah. got some of the people cast. If you want to put different cast members in there from the flashbacks and just make its own thing, that's fine too. But maybe just to see it, it's fascinating. I, I mentioned this in the last episode of Casterly Talk. There's a YouTube page called uh, ba- Bays or Baz Battles, uh, B A Z. I don't, I don't know. And he does a lot of real world history battles. And there's these great graphics, and it shows you, you know, the Battle of the Bulge here. The German tanks went here and everything. And he's got at least two from what I've discovered. The Battle of the uh, Pike, the Greyjoy Rebellion, and then the final sacking of King's Landing and the Battle of the Trident, mm-hmm. more specifically. 
uh, you should check it out, Ace, yeah. because you will sit there and it breaks it down and with these great little graphics and it's and it's book and show based. Like it, it crosses. It, it's I think the history is based more on the books, but you you have uh, things you recognize from the show. And I, I've watched it three times just to really get the movements and the history of, of the Battle of the Trident and, yeah. and, and Robert Rebe- Robert's Rebellion. It's fascinating stuff. What do you think about Robert, King Robert? I've been rewatching season one. And number one, Mark Addy's amazing. My, when the show starts, and you're not familiar with it, you see him as just, well, he's the king. He's Ned's friend. He's one of the good guys, right? And I think in his heart, maybe he might be, but what he's a real sign of what's to come in Game of Thrones because it unfolds in my mind where it's like he might have been the good guy, but he wasn't the good guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Renly said it best to to Ned. Do you really think great warriors make great kings? Right. It's that concept of like, it, are, are we living in a world where the strongest guy succeeds, but do we want the physically strongest guy to right. succeed? Because otherwise we're going to live in a world where he can do whatever he wants, and maybe that's not the best thing. He's he's one of those characters who's never, who's obviously you're on his side because of his connection to Ned. Yeah, but at the same time, you you acknowledge that he's he probably isn't the best king. He does stuff that maybe he's doesn't listen to his counsels the right way or mm-hmm. listens to the incorrect counsels. Yeah, um, but he doesn't seem to have his heart invested into the success of the kingdom. He's certainly bored with, with yeah. ruling, uh, winning and ruling are two different things that comes up a lot. Tywin Lannister says it later on and watching it. Cause you know, uh, I'm on, on the solo episodes of Casterly talk for those listening. I'm, I am doing the rewatch of season one and I'm pulling three to four moments from those shows that aren't so much foreshadowing, but just things that mean more now that the whole show's played out that the whole story so far. And one of the fascinating things to me is a couple times, Joffrey too, but Robert is 100% right in his fears and essentially predictions of what will happen. He thinks it's more Viserys, but he talks about Daenerys and her son, if that comes to pass. Her, her son at the head of a Dothraki horde, we're in trouble. Mm. And so he's right. We know now he's right. But then at the same time, we're rooting for Danny. So I said, now, okay. And which is the wonderful, complicated world of Game of Thrones, yeah. which has got to be something that pulled you in there, I'm sure, up top. I, absolutely. It's, it's always that concept of following these characters who eventually will go head to head with each other. And these yeah. are characters that you've gotten to love. I think the best example of that, even though I have a lot of issues with last season, yeah, you is last season yeah. with, uh, I forget the name of the episode, but the, the mm. loot train battle, the. Sp- yeah, yeah. What what is that? Where it's, uh, it's episode four, I believe. Yeah, three or four. Outside of after uh, after Jamie got yeah. Highgarden, um, and then yeah. Jamie versus Danny. Yeah, where you're kind of like, oh wait a minute, who am I rooting for? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I I said that at the beginning of this battle, but then I quickly took a side. Yeah. Uh, Which side did you take in that 100%, moment? Hundred percent. My favorite character left in the show, Jamie Lannister. Jamie, you took Jamie, Jamie over Danny. This is why I love Jamie you, Andres. Lannister. I love you. Uh, and yeah, we, we talk about season seven another time. Yeah, uh, it, 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 you're not alone in, in having some issues. I'm with not. It. I, you're I, not according alone. to YouTube. I'm not. I've I, gone. <laughs> I, and I love this. I, here's the thing for me too. I come from this point of view. I grew up with some crappy television in the '80s, so I'm like, I'll take all of it. Um, but yeah, your insights on it are are are. This is why you're here. And yep. I respect what you got. Uh, and it was, it, it moved fast, the writing. What The biggest thing was for you, the Sansa Arya, Baelish 
triangle of trouble. Worst shot writing in the show. I clumsy. Mean, it's so clumsy, over the top, mm-hmm. silly. Like they were doing this whole like, look here, look there. Yeah. Sansa and Arya were like, well, I'm going to kill you. And, well, I I don't know you. You're a faceless assassin. Oh, well, you want to be queen. Well, who are they acting? What is this writing? It was just terrible. Like who are they acting for? Because yeah. no one's watching. Yeah. Let's say assume it's Baelish. But, I know, I know but, but, it, but yeah. even then it was still odd. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. still like, why are we doing this? I'm, a, I'm, I'm doing my rewatch. And I'm curious to get to season seven because I haven't watched it since all of it aired. Now, I watched it three or four times each Sunday night because sure. I was doing the collider breakdowns. I'm curious. Time always changes things for me. Whereas I don't like season three as much. And, and season two is one of my favorites. And I remember being slightly, I'll use the word slightly disappointed with season two at the time, because you're comparing it to season one. And if you don't know the story, you're way where season two now is my, might be one of my favorites. Um, so I'm curious to see what seven does for time. I, I think the thing that really put it over the edge for me as just awful is, mm-hmm. is what they did to, my boy, Littlefinger. Um, you like that oh, Littlefinger. Oh, and you're I not do? alone. Ooh, Chaos I love is a Littlefinger. <laughs> He's one of my all-time yeah. I would put him top two, top three, maybe top two characters yeah. of all time as far as Game of Thrones. And I love and, yeah. and just making him the smartest man in the realm to right. the dumbest, the, the dumbest person alive. <laughs> I was like, what is going do, on? Do you Even feel- Jamie Lannister had a better defense. Yeah, he did. When, when they accused him of sleeping with his sister, he's like, what? What proof do you have? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's all you have to say. <laughs> and all he was doing was crying. And I was like, what? It just all came collapsing down. Oh, on no, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> part of season seven for me, and we had a, this is where we're going. We're going freeform here now, folks, here in Casually I'm Talk. I'm sorry, man. No, 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 no. Hey, so this is why you're here. Um, uh... I, I still think a lot of season seven was giving solutions that uh, some people weren't happy with. Now the Baelish, you know, you, you, I'm not saying that about you and Baelish because it's how you got there. You you knew that solution was coming, but it's how they got there that you had the issue with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Baelish isn't going to live. Right, we, right. we know that, but but my God, I, I think I think the concept of like let's make the smartest guy die mm-hmm. because he got dumb real fast like that yeah. to me is what really threw me off there was a lot of the, the pacing i remember before the season came out a lot of the actors said oh this is a fast-paced season and i just remember thinking oh we're gonna get a lot of fights they meant a literal fast pace um are you still outside of that and and, and such a fascinating discussion to have but outside of that just overall where we're we ending at season seven and I don't want to quite get into our season eight predictions. Are you are you happy with the solutions in terms of the big overall story? Where we're at, the wall down, Night King marching, Jamie, uh, yeah, Cersei, uh, absolutely. I, I'm still on board. I, yeah. I, I still enjoyed a lot of season seven. Mm. I, I just, you know, there was a few storylines that I really didn't like, and there was a yeah. few that that I really did like. Um, I, I feel like there's just so much to get to. Just so much. I still think that's part of the problem they found themselves in, and maybe they couldn't write them out of that. Write themselves out of that. I don't know. And some because I'll, I'll tell you, time has changed my Sir Jorah Mormont's my guy, right? For a lot of stupid reasons, because of real life. Um, to have him, I'm glad he's back and healed and everything's good. It happened so fast that it seemed anticlimactic to me, and I wasn't as emotionally invested in his arc because we took so long to get there. I realize they don't have time. Like I have less issue with the fast movement because I don't want to see Davos and John on a ship for three weeks. I, I get it. Season one, we had more time. I want and rewatching season one. Yeah, we have so much more time. So I'm okay with the, the fast movement to a degree. But yeah, I, I get. It. I'm fine with the solutions. But how you get there? Some of them felt a little little anticlimactic. Sure. 
But when that wall came down, that was my favorite. It's great. I am 100% on board, and I don't want to sound like I'm not. So I I, I just think it's fascinating how (laughs) we kind of got, or a lot of people kind of (laughs) got into this show because of this high fantasy, Mm -hmm. dragons and magic kind of show in a very subdued manner where it's much more, it's still much more of a political game Mm -hmm. where strategy and intelligence and mastery and and controlling your people and all this kind of stuff of of a much more um, high level thinking ideology Mm -hmm. being able to battle forces of magic. I thought that is so fascinating. And now, unfortunately, in my opinion, you know, for a lot of people, fortunately, mm-hmm. we're getting to the point where we're so far into getting close to the end of the show mm-hmm. that now it's much more like all the smart guys are gone, right. pretty much for the most part, except for Mary Varys. Right. Tywin's dead, Littlefinger's dead. And it's much more of who can, who's the biggest, strongest dude who can wield a Valyrian steel sword right, right. in the final battle, right. which is a little bit disappointing to me when this show kind of got you into the political strategy of this, you know, it, fantasy realm to now yeah. being like, who can hack and slack the best? Let's put a pin in that because that's a wonderful insight and great observation. And I want to see how we think that factors or where that will go in season eight. Sure. But uh, before we get to that, there's someone I we have to talk about now. Baelish Littlefinger. Let's call him by, uh, you know, his uh, nickname and his respectful uh, Peter Baelish name. Um, there's someone else we're not talking about. I know is one of your favorites. And that is the one that the story that is, is, is the arc that might be one of my favorites. And it broke my heart and it continues to break my heart over and over even though at the time i knew it was coming because by then i had read the books and that is the red viper over martel that that that's your guy right that's my guy man baelish that's, is there baelish is up there jamie lannister I, I, jamie apparently lannister is up there he's in my top five so is rob stark but number one is still Oberyn martel yeah. uh, i i have a lot of reasons for so many reasons obviously yeah. i think he's such a fascinating character mm-hmm. but i speaking of what we're just talking about yeah we put these people in boxes of like ned with his high honor mm-hmm. and his yep. you know old school way of thinking tywin with his very brutal mm-hmm. you know strategy way of thinking same with Littlefinger, very brutal way of thinking but very intelligent yeah Oberyn kind of meets that middle where he's kind of this yeah. guy where he's like Oh, I'll swing a sword and I'll fight you head to head if I need to, but I'll also outsmart you and I'll yeah. also think about what I'm doing before I actually do it. Yeah. You know, obviously he's a hothead and he goes in first, but he's still a smart guy. The idea yeah. of a guy who goes to the Citadel and gets a few chains and then yeah. leaves because he's bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That to me is the coolest thing ever. He, he, took, he took the high honors classes in high school and was like, not for me. Yeah. I'm going to win a track title too. I think it's fascinating. I think in yeah. a world where people like Ned and people like Tywin can can mm-hmm. have their own philosophies and ideologies and almost kind of like in a very religious aspect, be mm-hmm. very protective of it, right? Yeah. As far as their way of life, you know. Whereas if Ned goes to Dorne and hangs out with Oberyn, he's going to think he's crazy. And if Tywin yeah. does, too. Because he's like, how can you let daughters mm-hmm. take this place? Even Ned wouldn't agree with that. Ned wouldn't, yeah. Exactly. He so might I, have arranged dancing classes, uh, lessons sure. for Arya. Arya but he's but still not going to let Arya be at which is one of the fast, of Winterfell. We talked, I talked a little bit with myself last week when I was staring to a blank wall. Um, where I love that they dressed a little bit in season seven of Sansa and Arya. Kind of saying, father didn't prepare us completely right he protected us as a good father should in that time and that realm especially in the north but we weren't as prepared for what was coming yeah i mean Arya said it best in season one when she was a little girl and she's asking if she could be 
right? No, Lord or a Lord of Winterfell. Yeah. And her dad is like, no, but she'll marry a Lord and you'll have kids who'll be knights and they'll be cool. And then she says, that's not me. She not tells me. him straight up. But that concept of like Ned mm-hmm. is still living in that bubble. Yeah. But the fact that Oberyn is is so open and so much against that and doesn't yeah. care who you're with or who your love is or mm-hmm. who your daughter is. He respects all his daughters the same, right. even if it's a different mother. The whole concept of a bastard, bastard. is so weird to him. Like all those stuff combined into one character of Oberyn mm-hmm. Martell. And obviously on top of it being an amazing fighter yeah. is absolutely fascinating. But if I'm being honest, eventually what got me on board with him right away, the mm-hmm. first thing when I started season four was just the fact that RB3 and I had this conversation on my mm-hmm. podcast on The Meaning Of, where we talked about Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And I talked about how, regardless of what you think of Robert Rodriguez's films, he's always made it a point to put Latino characters in, mm-hmm. all, of his, in all of his movies and put them in heroic roles. Right, right. Whereas we have so much media nowadays and so much conversation politically-wise uh, a politically charged conversation that puts uh, Latinos and Latino characters. And I know he's obviously, you know, he's not actually Latino for those right. people screaming. He's, he's, he's yeah. a Martel. He's from Dorne. And I, I know, I yeah, get it. We get it. We get it. But he's an actor <laughs> played by a Latin yeah. actor, yeah. Uh, clearly reaching for that. And here we have, yeah, yeah. We're, we're living in a world of amazing shows like Breaking Bad, who as great as Breaking Bad is, I told RB3, cause he's like, I love Breaking Bad. And I'm like, yeah, look at every Mexican in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm. a psycho power hungry evil yeah, yeah, yeah. person they're, yeah. they're not a good guy they're never going to be a good guy they're always the bad drugs person that you right. have to stop but we never get a latin character on tv mm. who's badass kick-ass and smart and we had all three with open martell a guy mm-hmm. who's a prince he's royalty he's smart he's opportunist he's fighting for justice in his own way that to me was the most pedro pascal was as much Oberyn Martell as Oberyn Martell. He, uh, the Mandalorian himself. Yeah, um, that to me really sold me as far as him being this complete character. Had you, so obviously the real world connections are understandably strong. Had you read the the book at all by that point? Did you know the Red Viper was coming? Did you know no. anything of him? It was after season four, I think is when I uh, when you, when you When you got yeah. great. Uh, which is, so that's a fascinating perspective. So when, when Pedro Pascal walks in that first scene, and folks, listen, if you haven't gone back with season four, episode one, season four is an interesting, I think without the Red Viper, that's not as good as the season. There's some great stuff, Tyrion, the t- trial of Tyrion, all that stuff, which ties into Oberyn. But his hope, when he walks in, it's sexy, it's tantalizing, it's titillating, and it's imposing and intimidating. Because you're right, he, when he walk, runs his hand over the flame, you're like, this guy is something else. And he puts that knife in that Lannister soldier's hand. and then, But then follows it up with this, here's my quest to Terry. You tell your father I'm here. And Lannister's the only, the only one. To, it, it's the, one of the best intros to a character in the show. So when you take me to that moment, Andres, when you're watching this, what are you thinking? Oh, this man. first episode, this first scene. Uh, th- not even that, man. The trailer. I mean, trailer the trailer got, got me when he when he because yeah. I pretty sh- I'm pretty sure it says it in the trailer when he mm-hmm. says, "Tell your he father does. that the Lannister aren't the only ones who pay their debts." Yeah, that's his famous line in the trailer. And and, and then that season, everything he does, every moment he has is just absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people always go back to season four, episode eight, the mountain and the viper. That's the Mm -hmm. Oberyn's great moment because he shows up the mountain. That's great. But I love his moments when he's interacting with Tyrion, when he's interacting with Tywin, when he's in the small council. Those are the moments with with Oberyn. Or when he's interacting with Varys, that's an incredible moment. Those are the moments that make... Oberyn Martell, an amazing character. Absolutely. The final moments are, are 
are bittersweet. They're they're just tragic and they're they're maddening because it's like I was watching with my friend in a hotel room in Las Vegas. We we're out there for a wrestling convention, and my friend is 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 he's a police officer. He's a Luke Skywalker, John Snow, Aragorn are his guys, right? And he loved Open, loved yeah. Open. He was on board, and I knew it was coming, but I hadn't seen it on TV yet. We're watching it on an iPad in a hotel room in Vegas. He was heartbroken for three days, but he was also so upset because he was just like, oh, the, you know, and I was like, dude, that, but that's the lesson of vengeance, right? That you got to learn that. And oh, man, that got me so mad. It, yeah. Oh, it's, it's everything. I was hurt. It's everything. I was hurt for, I honestly, that is the moment that yeah. I really was like, you know, a lot of people, it was the Red Wedding. Yeah. cast of mirror that were like, I think I'm going to be done with this show. That was a broken. moment that really made me consider being done with this show. Because, because, <laughs> well, yeah, you love this guy. Oh, I was like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. This is like one of the only POC characters on the show. <laughs> like, we got all these white dudes, and we got one brown guy, <laughs> and, and, he dies. Dies and he dies in the most horrible way ever. Horrible. I think that's what got me. Yeah. I was okay with him dying, but the way he died, I was like, really? You couldn't do that to Joffrey. <laughs> like you got to do that to Oberyn. Where, where are you with that death right now, though? On the hindsight of the, of the character, the lessons, and where he stands in the history of the show. I still hate it. You still hate it. <laughs> yeah, I still, still hate, hate it. it. Yeah, I what? still think it's it's just too gratuitous for yeah. a character. That's I get it. I know what they're doing, but yeah, at yeah. the same time, I'm like, God, man, like you couldn't do that to someone else. <laughs> Like, that might be an Ask George moment. Did yeah. you read Storm when you read in Storm of Sons? When I read it's in Storm of Sons, it's not as, it doesn't it's feel not as a, graphic. No. no, no, and this is, this is why uh, I, I love, and yeah, sometimes the show wavers when it gets outside the lines of the books, but I've been going back to season one. Some of the best stuff is found in the shows and not the books. I still think the season two is a better edit of, of this book two. Um, I think they had a chance to go back and shave off a lot of things that George was throwing into his stew. But. Uh, just, uh, just feeling that moment with, with Oberyn. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, we could, we discussed for, for over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, but, but it, it, it really came to life and it's, it's Pedro Pascal, but also what they want to do with the character. And it's not just set up to get you, you know, it's not like they're building this character up and, and they do get you, but you're right. His, 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 his uh, influence and his legacy is built on those previous scenes. My favorite yeah. scene of his might actually be the one with Cersei where he's writing the poems. Um, and there's some, a lot of it's Cer- Cersei's humanity. It's one of the times when her humanity just, just, just sh- does show up and you, you have those sympathetic moments for Cersei because you know, the whole line of, you know, everyone in the world, they, they hurt little girls. But I just, I just love that Oberyn can have that conversation with her and he hates the Lannisters, but I felt there was some kind of, he wanted to show some, I don't know, empathy for her. Yeah, but at the same time, he was right. He, he was Marcella right. was happy, and she yes. was treated well. I, yeah. I, I I don't know. I just, uh, it's very fascinating, because then in the following episode, he, or it might be the same episode, mm-hmm. where he talks to Tyrion, and that's the famous yes. speech yeah. speech that he gives Tyrion. That, His you know, first scene he shot, too. That's right, yeah. And he spent time, but he tells Tyrion, I spent time with Cersei, yeah. and I could clearly tell she was trying to manipulate me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, he contradicts that. My yeah. favorite is, is probably when he's at the brothel, and his interaction mm. with Tywin, another one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Tywin. I, I love Tywin, too. I adore Tywin. I mean, Let's scenes, talk about that after we wrap up with the Absolutely, Pedro. Yeah. because I, 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 can't, I can go off about how much I love Tywin. Go off, my friend. Go off. <laughs> but to me, it's that concept of, like, we've built up Tywin. We've mm. seen him at Hall, where he's just schooling mm. his, his council. He's schooling his, his, yeah. his, everyone around him. He's just telling him how dumb they are and how Arya is way smarter than them. Mm-hmm. And he schools everyone. And here's a moment 
where a guy is going head to head with Tywin to the point where I, my fa- one of my favorite lines of Oberyn's obviously he has a, a, incredible yeah. lines in the show, but one of my favorites is is one to directed towards Tywin when Tywin is like, you know. Uh, you studied poisons at the Citadel and he's like, yes. And and he's like, well, you know, how do you know that my, my son was poisoned or how do you know that Joffrey was poisoned? I forget how he words it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, well, and he's like, yes, your son was poisoned. He's like, how do you know? And he's like, I, I studied at this. He's like, I did. This is how I know. Yeah. And I love how he's like, you're asking me how I know this. I, you're the one who's being dumb right now. And he kind of tells Tywin that he's like, yep. I, I know that he was poisoned because yeah. I studied at the Citadel. It doesn't mean I poisoned him. Yeah. Like, come on, man. I love I love that little moment That's of him moment. being like, when I the, know this stuff. He was poisoned. Yeah. It wasn't me. Trust me, it wasn't me because I would have killed you, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he basically tells him that to his face. And then at the wedding, by the way, oh, with yeah. Cersei and Tywin versus Hilarious Sand and uh, yeah. and, and Oprah is classic. Yeah. A lot of shade thrown. Tywin Lannister, before we, we do want to get oh, to please. season eight. Oh. So I love Tywin Lannister. I really do. I have some Tywin, Tywin Lannister merch, some Funko Pops, but... It's so weird to say that, I guess. It, it is, but at the same time, I don't know, man. The more I've, I'm re obviously I'm, I'm on I'm on the rewatch, right, right, and, and I'm up to going into season four now, and right there. and and it's all Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan. And the more I see Taiwan, the more I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. I know he's evil, yeah, but he's so incredible. I mean, I, I still feel like Charles Dance is probably the best actor on the show. I, I, I would consider so. I would consider him to be one of the best. And in fact, to me, it's the concept of 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 intelligence, of reason, of strategy, of brutality, being the king mm-hmm. of basically the world of Westeros. He, obviously, he, yeah, I say he ran it for a while. Yeah, but, but the fact that everyone fears him because of his strategy, and mm. his cunning, and his intelligence, and his cleverness, yeah. and and that's what he wants the most is to put his family forward because of obviously his father and all this stuff that's happened to Lannisters in the past. Yeah. But Tywin is incredible. Tywin yeah. is, is just, he's the biggest badass in the show and in, in a show filled with the mm-hmm. hound and the mountain mm-hmm. and, and, and Jon Snow and heroic people who can swing a sword like no other. It's the guy who's just in the back thinking yeah. the most and yeah. just talking to you like you're a child, like looking <laughs> down on you. I mean, the what am I saying? I can name so many scenes, man. But yeah. I just saw the scene where he talks to Joffrey in the, in the throne room. That's so good. And he walks up to Joffrey, up to and Joffrey is shaking in the Iron Throne. And he walks what? up, and he's yeah. like, "We can arrange to have you carried." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh, what, what's the uh, Joffrey's like? I, I, I want to be counseled. You are being counseled now. <laughs> it's so good. I, like, Tywin is is honestly like one of my favorite characters, man. I mean, yeah. there's so many moments. I, I love. I just saw the Red Wedding again. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Reigns Castamere, yeah. incredible episode. It hurts every time I see it, especially because it's my boy Rob Stark. You like Rob? Yeah, oh, Rob's I, great. I, I re- I underrated, Rob. I think. I absolutely think he's underrated. Mm-hmm. And even the moment, even I'm just like this Stark guy who's like the North remembers, yeah. but I love his comeback. He's like, good, let them remember what <laughs> happens. And I'm just like, when you, dude, that comeback to me is like, there's something. He doesn't care that the North, like this yeah. giant, you know, huge kingdom. Yeah is going to come after him. And he's like, let him come after me. Let's yeah. go. And I'm like, yo, this guy really is the biggest badass in the show. Uh, who are you? Uh, the proud Lord says all about Tywin. And I was in rewatching, you know, I'm on my season 
one section here, uh, wrapping it up actually mm-hmm. by the end of this recording. This introduction to season one is the it's, greatest introduction it's of a character. The best because when he's uh, skinning, he's the, skinning it, which I believe he did for real. I think that is real. That looks real to me. Charles Dance <laughs> would be like, no, I'll do it for real. Because yeah. up to this point, Jamie Lannister is one of the bad guys. He's got the Prince Charming hair and the chin line and he's done bad things. It's starting to unfold. I think I think it starts to change as a fan watching Jamie when Robert Baratheon and Sir Barristan Selmy are talking about their first kills and it turns to Robert Baratheon, uh, you know, what did the Mad King say when you stabbed him in the back? And, and Jamie's response of burn them all, burn, you know, and it, fr- and it kind of like takes Robert back. That's the first time I'm like, ah, there's something about Jamie's story that ain't what it feels to be. But then he goes to daddy. <laughs> and when daddy is just right, the lion does not concern himself with the opinion of the sheep. And it's a hundred percent true. And Jamie Lannister's face cannot hide it. That's the first time you're like, Oh, we got it. We got something different. What is it? Let's unlock this psychologically, Andres, because he is, a bad guy, essentially. He's on the, you know, he does bad things and he had people killed. But it's, maybe, is it because, I'll start here. We're in this world. We've seen Ned and his honor and where that gets him. And his stubbornness, you know, where that gets him. Could he have done better if he had left and gone to the wall? He'd be at the wall. I don't know. Different conversation. But um, it's the nature of this world we're in, this brutal world. And Tywin seems to know how to do it right. Mm. Even like Stannis, who I love, and I love Stannis, but I know Stannis made every mistake along the way. And I almost love him because I feel he just kept making, started from a point of, yeah, you had it, Stannis, and then you just kept messing up. Where Tywin, I don't think, messed up. Just things caught up to him? I don't know. Yeah, I I listened to different Game of Thrones podcasts, and they had the same conversation, this idea that Tywin doesn't fail, right? Mm -hmm. How does... Did Tywin, in a certain way, uh, someone who's so ahead of the game, someone who's three steps ahead, someone who's, like I said before, like the king of, of, of essentially the king of Westeros. Yeah. Um, did he fail in a certain way because maybe his brutality caught up to him, where maybe his yeah, treatment right. of Tyrion, if if he treated Tyrion slightly better, mm-hmm. he still would have been king of Westeros on the top nothing would have happened. If simply he trusted Tyrion a little bit more, mm-hmm. maybe that's his only mistake. Because other than that, Tywin doesn't fail. Yeah. Like Tywin finds a way Keeps going. Keep, to keep going. I think that might be the big lesson, uh, you know, of, you know, at home, he was not. Yeah. He was not a great father. And in Cersei, she's trying to keep up to his legacy and keep the dynasty alive. But she's messed up because of a lot of it. Jamie's less messed up because of a lot of it, and and, and, and Tyrion above all. I think that I think that that might just be the lesson, right? Yeah. If you hey, be a little nicer at home, a little love in your life ain't gonna do you wrong sure. because it does him. That's what does him in. I think that's that's the powerful choice in the story there from George R. R. Martin of it is the son that kills him. Yeah, it's it's incredible, man. I mean, this idea of him uh, saving the day at Blackwater and yes, uh, coming in and. You know, I forget what he says. The war is over. Or the battle like is over. Yeah. We have won. We have won. He, he is, she drops the. It's it's what is his Charles Dan. It's when just he's, Charles when Dan. he's sitting down and writing, uh, and he makes Tyrion wait, and yeah. then the next episode he makes Cersei wait the same way. <laughs> and I and I had not read that, and I I, I say this often. I I was aware of something called the Red Wedding. I just didn't know, right? Sure. And so the whole, I remember I remember watched season three. I'm like, I went, what what's he doing writing? 
He's always writing. Yeah. No idea what's coming. He's it, it winning al- the war it, with it his almost, pen. It almost <laughs> feels like Tywin is just trolling them. Yes, <laughs> like yes. you're not writing anything, dude. But he actually is. But he actually is. And the, and you tell you tell you season two. Um, it's not in the book. It's not in the book when they're at, at Heron Hall and, and the stuff with Arya and, and Tywin is some of my favorite moments in the show. Again, Charles Dance and Maisie Williams just keeps pace with Charles Dance, but that's some of the best stuff. But it shows a different side of Tywin. Yes. It makes him feel like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's a hard ass, but he's, I can see where he's coming from. There's a little bit of, the humanity shines yeah. a little bit. Even when he shows up and and they're torturing people and he's just like, what are you doing, you dummies? Like, Stop. Stop. You know, he, he's he's cold. He's vicious. But there's a slice of humanity there. Yeah, it, it makes him more sympathetic. It, it makes him more likable as a yeah. character. I, I think one of the reasons why people like you and me can mm-hmm. actually say we like Tywin Lannister is something that's so bizarre right. is those scenes with Arya. It, it's yeah. it's those scenes that with Arya that make him much more human. I would agree. And and it's also the fact that Arya is probably the only person that ever made him laugh. Yes, yes. <laughs> which I think is an incredible that's, point. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great when point. When he says most girls are concerned with dresses yeah, just, and he's like, most girls are dumb. And he goes, ha, ha. <laughs> the whole, all and that like, stuff. Yo, Arya made Ty- Tywin laugh. That's something there's special. A, and, and, and there's a lot there to that stuff that because like again going back to my love of, of Stannis I there's a pl- prodigal brother uh, to get biblical there it's the prodigal brothers uh, prodigal son's brother thing with Stannis he did everything that was asked from him uh, he technically was was the right to had the right to the throne did but it never got his just reward right and that's that's sometimes something uh, I can identify with in a little way. And so that's where my love of Stannis started. I also love Stephen Delane, great in the John Adams miniseries, which I was aware from. So it's like, oh, uh, Thomas Jefferson's here. And I just have a thing for Melisandre, let's just say it, okay? Um, but along the way, he loses himself. And I think that's the lesson of Stannis. He loses himself. The quest for what he wants. I still think he has a great, you know, he goes up there to save the day at the wall, but it's a false quest for glory. It's not to help the realm. It's to help himself maybe a little bit. But along the way, Tywin Lannister, other than how he is as a parent and his viciousness, he might be always right. Does that make sense? Yeah. His scenes with Arya, he's he's sp- speaking the truth. The scenes with a lot of the war councils, you know, they have my son. And when he kicks everyone out and it's like, you were the only one who was right, Tyrion. Like there's things where he's like, he gets it to me. Yeah. He gets it. The stuff with Joffrey. Oh. Tommen, when he's giving Tommen the lessons. Oh. The king is tired. <laughs> the, king is, the king is tired. <laughs> it's so good, man. Oh, yeah. man. I mean, when he goes head to head with Elena, is still another one of my favorite moments where he's talking about Loras marrying Cersei and Elena is having none of it. None of it. Um, and he's just going back and forth and back. And, it's, and Elena's like, mm. As mm. as the as the person who's an expert on my thoughts, I consider my thoughts to be very strong against this. <laughs> Just the fact that Elena is giving him so much sass, yeah. to the point where uh, I love the moment too, where, where Elena uh, tells Tywin if he ever messed around with boys, and he's like, "No, really? Are you sure? No." <laughs> like the fact that she has to ask if yeah, he's sure, sure. Um, but even that moment where he's yeah. like, "Okay." I'll marry, I'll put, I'll knight, mm. I'll knight uh, Sir Loras, yeah. and I'll make him a king's guard, or he'll never have his lands, he'll never have high guarding, he'll never marry. How about that? Right. Cersei sounds good now. Yeah. And just uh, that whole concept of like marrying uh, Tyrion to yep. Sansa and then Cersei to, uh, to Loras, yeah. To Loras is, I mean, besides the 
poor matchup because right. it's a poor matchup. <laughs> it's not good. It's uh, it's absolutely a good strategy, man. I yeah. mean, think about High Garden, yeah. and and the fact that you know the North and Casterly Rock, maybe possibly mm-hmm. Tyrion could have had. He would he would have ruled the world. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Yeah. But again, I I think of. You know, yeah. this idea of like, man, Sansa and Tyrion, that's kind of rough, but yeah. they can work it out. <laughs> Cersei and Loras? No. <laughs> the scene, Poor the, Loras. <laughs> at this point, we're just reminiscent of our favorite yeah. moments. But yeah, Loras trying to talk to Cersei. And oh she's just like, God. shut up. No, no one cares. <laughs> my father wants, no one cares what your father once said. And she just walks away. Look, Loras is like, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I mean, we could do. What did I do? We could do this for a long time. We could talk about yeah. Diana Rigg. Oh, my God. And and, and Lena Headey. You know, yeah. All the great performers. But, but I, to, yeah. to close up, I yeah, really close do on feel Tywin, yeah. Tywin Lannister is. I've always said. I've always said this. I've always said his his power and his command and presence in a room mm-hmm. is the most powerful I've seen in any show. Charles Dance as Tywin Lannister. The fact that his voice can yeah. command an entire room and make everyone turn their heads directly towards him. Yeah, that is powerful, and he shows power mm-hmm. without saying much of anything with just a few lines he demonstrates true power and 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 that to me is game of thrones at its nature it's Mm -hmm. it's showing this guy who's strategically so intelligent that he can just move mountains yeah that that to me is so cool and the fact that i've always said because i'm a big 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 lex guy Mm -hmm. lex luther comic book is is, is my favorite comic book villain of all time got it and i and i see lex luther as this guy who's not this conniving evil scientist. He's, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a laid back, he's charismatic, but he's, mm-hmm. he's much mm-hmm. more strategic and smart and he's not brutal for the fact of being brutal. The he's not the brutal. joker. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. He's brutal in a very smart, strategic corporate manner. Yeah. Much like a Tywin. I've always said that. Like, Interesting. he's much more of a Lex Luthor to me where he knows mm-hmm. what's going on. He knows he's the smartest guy in the kingdom. Yeah. So he can strategize the best and he can tell everyone to shut up when they need to shut up. <laughs> that to me is Tywin Lannister at its core. And it's crazy because th- this idea of, because I was watching a Superman movie last night, yeah. this idea of the reign of Superman, of Lex being the smartest guy in the world mm-hmm. and still not knowing that Clark Kent is Superman. Superman. <laughs> it's the idea of Tywin Lannister being the smartest guy in the world and still not knowing yeah. that Joffrey is not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's this idea that does he know? Does he know or does he? I, I, or does he choose to? He might be choose to, but. I, yeah, I, I think it's this balance of, I mean, we get the yeah. answer. And, we, we do, we do. Where he's he's like, no, I've never believed it. He basically forces himself not to believe it. Yeah. Even though he kind of believes it. Yeah. It, it's that idea of your daughter and your son are hooking up mm. and you're the smartest man in the kingdom and the entire kingdom knows, but you don't know. <laughs> that's the whole conundrum. Yeah. Black of hair, yeah. black of hair. That's my favorite thing. Sean Bean just reading that over and over again. <laughs> black of hair. Gold of hair. Um, Tywin, long live Tywin. Long May Tywin, he uh, shit gold somewhere else yeah. in heaven. But uh, Still one of the best characters in the show. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. And, and it's, I divide Game of Thrones, the show, into kind of first half, second half. Mm-hmm. And without denying from me as a fan, you know, when some of those favorites start to go, including Rob Stark and, and Catelyn Stark and, you know, it changes. And just like in the books, when you get to Feast for Crows, that's why a lot of people are like, meh. Because a bunch of new characters and doing it's fascinating and it t- and I love it all, but when Charles Dance walked off that show. I was like, I'm gonna miss that guy. Uh, I loved him. Love to see him show up in a Star War of some kind. Ooh. 
That's him, great him and Mark Addy. Uh, Addy's underrated for what he did because it's forgotten way back in season one. Speaking of the seasons, uh, Andres, we are inside two months away from a little thing called Game of Thrones season eight, the final season. And here on Casually Talk uh, with Lon and Rachel, anyone else that's going to come in, we're going to be doing a lot of of, of predictions. So since we and uh, predictions, we're looking ahead. Um, number one, you talked about your rewatch, and that's kind of been going around here, Casually Talk. What do you do to get ready prior to each season of Game of Thrones? Because everyone seems to have. Similar things, the rewatch, we co- the capital, the capital T, capital R, the rewatch. Um, how, what else do you do to get ready? Ooh, I mean, YouTube. Mm. YouTube's my friend. YouTube's my homie. It is. It's been there for me from when I started Game of Thrones mm. till now. All those great, great YouTube channels that are dedicated to Game of Thrones, they yeah. give us almost daily content when it comes to just history of the houses, Mm -hmm. theories of season eight, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, ranking uh, of the fighters, ranking of who's the best character left, who's the best fighter left in the show, what's going to happen to certain characters. To me, YouTube is absolutely fascinating. I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to give shout outs. Uh, do, yeah, we do it here openly on Casually Talk. I, I, do, I want everyone out there listening to listen and watch all these other shows because I think that's how you become a better fan. Yeah, my, my homie right now is Why Create? I'm not familiar with Why Create. Why Create, man. Alt Shift X, GOT Academy, History GOT, Westeros are kind of mine. Uh, GOT Academy, Talking Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Why Create is, is my go-to. Okay. Um, obviously, there's more fun ones like Rarist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Alt Shift X, I've obviously I know about. Yeah. But to me, it's it's these YouTube channels that are absolutely dedicated to Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. To, that, to me, is uh, this, the Harpy, the last yeah, Harpy. last Harpy. Um, these channels are, are just fun. They're fun to, yeah. to have this back and forth of certain thoughts that go through people's heads and certain thoughts that go through my head, whether it's looking back or looking forward. YouTube is the best way mm-hmm. I prepare for Game of Thrones. I, in, a, in a weird way, the, these these big kind of genre shows and movies are, are kind of what, to me, exploded. We, we know about the, the media discussion world. We've both been a part of it and continue to be a part of it. Thank God it's given, given us things to do. But I look at... You know, going to YouTube in 2011 was a little bit of different experience, but for me, it was like I really started to go for 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 Game of Thrones. Like, what else can I learn? We've seen it. What's the water cooler? And that's where all this kind of really exploded. Yeah. And that you know, I need to be around people who watched what I just saw and are struggling or having questions or as excited as I am. And those channels, all of them that you said there, that's part of what we, we believe here at Catch Play Talk listeners, uh, part of a bigger community and we're happy to be a part of it. Yeah. I, I, I've watched alt shift X videos over and over to study. What did I miss? And I forget. And that's part of my getting ready for the next season, whatever season it is, even if it's just two to now eight, I, I made reference. I, I was having a conversation with a friend, uh, and I was talking to last week's episode of Casually Talk, where I forgot Piat Pri's name. I was like, I cannot, I cannot allow that to happen. Flog myself and get back. Let me pull the books off the shelves. Yeah. So that's part of it. Too. I, I completely forgot my my go to man. I, yeah. Daily, I listen to these guys. Mm. Uh, Nerd Soup. I think I told you about. You have told lot. me about Nerd Soup. Nerd yes, Soup and I looked at them. Yep. They they uh, they go back and they rewatch and they do the episode revisited. Mm-hmm. I love Nerd Soup because I, I don't know the hosts. I don't you know obviously yeah. I don't follow them on Twitter or anything, but they have this like laid back, almost like hip hop 
basketball where they put right. in a lot of basketball terms and I'm a big basketball guy yeah, yeah. and they put a lot of hip hop terms and I'm a big hip hop guy. Yeah. So combining those worlds, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's absolutely perfect for me. So the way yeah. they talk, they're like, yo, they're scouting yeah. this character. I'm like, yo, Daenerys just recruited the unsullied instead of saying like, Suggy, she bought him. like I, this, I, this whole like basketball terms and stuff yeah. like that. There's, I do it with pro wrestling with my friend, yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, my friend, Paul, my friend, Jay, who's a big game of Thrones fan, uh, whiskey fist. You might be listening. Uh, hello. Hello. Um, same thing. Yep. Cersei's is she going to go over? I don't know. She might have to put over yeah, Jamie. All the, we, we we talk about the same things. I love when world. One of my collide. favorite. Uh, I, I don't know if we yeah. can cuss on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Man. Uh, one of my favorite moments that they were talking about was uh, Marin Trent, not Mary Trent, uh, Jano Slint. Yeah, I confuse them. Yeah, um, they were like they were like talking about the death of Jano Slint, which yeah. all, the worst one of the worst characters in the show. I mean, Absolutely. you got to consider him. Like, yeah. what is he good at? He it's sucks nothing. at everything. Nothing. <laughs> Like even when he was yeah. head of the city watch, you suck, man. You suck, man. Uh, but took the were, money and ran. They were talking about like, you know, if you if someone came up to Cersei and was like, "Hey, you remember Jano Slint?" She'd be like, "Who the fuck is that?" Because <laughs> he's I so. Think that's, I think she would because she he's just a pawn. <laughs> he's just, yeah, sure, give him a lordship, whatever. Yeah, uh, Tyrion shipped like him that. off. Who's that? Stuff like that to me is 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 fun. It's They're fun. funny. They're just funny. That's they talk great. about like. um the Dario switch yeah, um, yeah, and how like they, they like it screen so much better and he's so much I sexier in uh, the scene when he comes covered in blood and the reigns of Castamere after he's taking so the city and he's like <laughs> smoking hot and they talk about stuff like that. That's one of my you know most painful Jorah moments. <laughs> we took the city. Where's Dario? Damn right. It. Damn I, it. <laughs> I was watching this the other night and the first thing that came to my head was like, Really, girl? Really? <laughs> I just took this city for you? You see me covered in blood? And you think about a guy we just met? Have you? Yeah, did you not see what me and Grey Worm did? Like, you thinking about that's some what, rando? One of the great moments here. So like, you just met this guy two days ago. I know. Yeah, literally. And he doesn't even have a doesn't have a purple beard or anything yeah. cooler in the show. Uh, uh, but those guys are great, man. They, yeah. they have so many fun little moments where they talk about episodes, and yeah. they have fun ones when, with Marine, and they have this. Uh, Fake. They edit their videos where it seems like Lorac mm-hmm. is going back and forth with Barris and Selmy, awesome. and he's like joking around with him as far as like who's it's cooler. Done. Just uh, Nerd <laughs> Soup is is great. Check him out. Yeah. Check him out. We talked about it when you were on Force Center yeah. of some of their stuff there. All right, so season eight is upon us. Uh, Ace, um, I, I guess we can start. Here's where I want to start. The big thing we got the hashtag for the throne coming from hbo so we get that we've been waiting to see who wins the iron throne since episode one that's been who do you think's going to be on the throne who thinks going to be on the throne i still go to the idea the throne will not be in in existence some sort of the wheel will be broken Uh, a lot of people i'm not out on a limb there on by any circumstance um we'll start there for the throne thoughts do we have a winner do we have something new what do you think it's it's I always go back and forth, man. I, I especially after last season. Last season threw me off. Yeah, if it, it was, did. Yeah, it, yeah, it really did. Because last season was much more. I know a lot of people are like we lost the dragon, but yeah, but who else did we lose? Yeah, yeah. we didn't. The heroes kind of won last season. You, you, you lost really, Thoros Amir. Rest in peace, yeah, Thoros Amir. <laughs> like even then, I'm just like, ah, yeah, we didn't lose. The heroes won last season. Yeah. We did not see in a, in in a way that kind of made me feel like oh. Maybe mm. maybe uh, going away from the books means a much more heroic, classic Lord of the Rings style. Happier ending. Happier ending. Much Because that's what it seemed like last season. The fact that you got those seven guys to go beyond the wall mm-hmm. and six returned was 
baffling to me. So to a lot of people, baffling. myself included. I was like, we can't even kill Tormin. I love Tormin, but my God, I, I, dude, I, <laughs> is I, he that important? I had cried my last tears over Jorah. <laughs> I thought Jorah, I was like, there's a Jorah's no way he's surviving. I, I honestly was at the point where I was like, the Hound, John, yeah. and Danny. Jorah's dead. Thoris is dead. Beric is. I thought they were all dead. And, and I remember going with the trailers because remember the trailer for season seven. You yeah. saw John riding away on a horse, and and you kind of start piecing things together. So when that episode started, I was like, "He's going to be the only one that survives." Yeah, yeah. I thought Gendry yeah. was done for. I thought they were. Well, all... Luckily, he's a fast runner. Exactly, <laughs> the fastest in the world. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but stuff like that really threw me off, man. Because I don't know. My my yeah. initial thought. Is your thought okay. is is wheel broken democracy wheel broken, or something else? Yeah, yeah. or yeah. even more pessimistic, the Night's King. Maybe the Night King takes the Iron Throne in a certain way, not necessarily takes it, sits on it, and rules, <laughs> and it freezes. Yeah, but uh, but maybe he is just he rules the Long Night. Yeah, yeah, and the Long Night has come again. The world is 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 covered in snow. Mm-hmm. The sun is blotted out. Is covered, mm-hmm. and and he rules this new world essentially for yeah. however long it is until Danny and John's son comes of age and comes can take age. it back. Hey. And maybe that's the cliffhanger. You where got good sequel rights there. Yeah. 20 years, little John and hey. Danny baby comes to take back the, the Night's King, but everyone else is dead and he yeah. won. Johnny, Dan- John yeah. and Danny baby, Danny, John baby's cool. I, I like this. I'd like to say I've had this thought elsewhere. I, I think it's, it's maybe second or third or maybe lower on my list, but it's realistic to me. And it begs the follow-up question to this. Um, and we're not going too far into the episode lists. You could probably find that online of the six episodes. Maybe, I don't even know if the titles were released, but the directors were. And, and, and if you you could pair up the directors with the possibilities of what's going to be in those episodes. You know, Miguel uh, Sapochnik's going to do big battles. And I know he's, he's sitting at one point. So that's where my thoughts start with this, but we're not fully diving into that. Uh, not that it's spoiler territory, but uh, it's research that might, you know, force you to answer something you don't think. I still, though, think that that all said, I still think the war or the battle, whatever it will be with the Night King, will be sooner than we think and end sooner than we think, which will lead to for the throne having some kind of relevance to back to what you were talking about with the political things that you still have. It's going to be more war, but you're still going to have Cersei to deal with. Does that? Uh, do you think whether think you agree with the big bad at the end? Maybe, not the King. maybe, but but, and I'm not trying to lead you here, but like you know, uh, I hate when interviews do that. Uh, do you agree with me? No, um, that's just a thought because it's not my prediction. It's sure. like I could see this happening. It's it's common sense uh, considering that Winterfell, man. Yeah, Winterfell is close to where the Night King is right now. Uh, forces are gathering. So right? the fact there's no. Just logistically wise, there's no way there's not going to be a battle right away. I, right. I, I think there's going to be two. I think it'll mm-hmm. be a battle at Winterfell mm-hmm. where he, he defeats them at the at Winterfell, mm-hmm. and then somehow Jon Snow and his forces have to retreat mm-hmm. to King's Landing or further mm-hmm. south, wherever it is. Like and then there's another battle uh, with the Night King, and then maybe then it's like Cersei has to join in, or she's already dead by then. Yeah. Um, but I think there's no way there's like logistically the Night King is so close to Winterfell that it wouldn't make sense to wait six episodes for a battle, a battle at Winterfell. Yeah. yeah. If, if we still had 10 episodes to deal with, he might go of a fight at the last, uh, the last hearth and fight the umbers, you know, sure, he might, yeah. but no, I think everyone's running down to Winterfell forming up as, uh, you know, as best they can. And maybe the battle will be there. I, I don't know. I just think, I think that's not 
going to end it, which also could mean though, but to my original, what got me on the side is he could win. Yeah. The Night King could win. I go back to Ramsey Bolton. Mm-hmm. Uh, good old Ramsey said it in uh, season three. Yeah. He's like, if you think this is going to have a happy ending, <laughs> you're not paying attention. Exactly. So do we really think that a show like Game of Thrones is going to have a happy ending or a positive ending? Right. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, last season threw me off because mm-hmm. I feel like, because it, no, it's, it, it you, felt you, so much more like positive and happy and gung ho for, for Game of Thrones. It was a pretty happy ending. Yeah. Everyone's generally alive. We've got some love and some boning going on that yeah. people are awkwardly rooting for. And I get the whole dragon. Everyone always, yeah. I mean, I've said this. It's foreboding. Times. It's not a hap, It's not a bad, sad sure. ending. It's foreboding. Here's yeah. what's next season. But, but everyone is like, Oh, we lost a dragon. Yeah, but yeah, we didn't yeah, lose yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, like I said, just stories and mirrors. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it could go both ways, but I just don't. Do we really want to see a, a triumphant end to a show like this? I I don't. I want to see a layered end. Yeah. Do I want to see John happy or Tyrion happy, Sansa happy, Arya happy? Sure. Yes, I want to see that, right? Because yeah. I've been on this journey. And you you know I love Return of the Jedi, but if I get a yub nub ending, or if I get a Return of the King ending, which is great, these are things I love. These are things I love. I love these movies. I love the. But it doesn't seem Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin, Song of Ice and Fire, and realistic that there's going to be a big party, a coronation, and we'll see you next time. That that that's exactly it. I think that's mm. an, one of the main reasons why last season just really drug me down. Mm. It just really felt like, ah, oh, this feels like they're going Lord of the Rings and everything's cool and there's dire situations, but nothing really happens. And then they reveal right. the whole Phantom Menace Night King thing. And I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. that easy. Like, I know it's like re- mm-hmm. easy in, in quotes, obviously, because it's not easy. Phantom Menace. For those of you, I, I think you're assuming to all the battle droids can be taken out by one ship gets destroyed. Correct. Right, right, so right, this right. idea of like, oh, all we have to do is kill one. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's charge him. Charge. Let's go. I mean, <laughs> that to me is a much more simple. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I don't know if you knew that going into that. I, no, I don't because think we're, we're learning. We're learning a lot. That's beyond the books. Or maybe we're not learning a lot. Correct. Yeah. But you to know? me personally, I always felt like this giant army of whites mm-hmm. and this giant army of white walkers and this enormous yeah. threat that literally changes the weather wherever they go right. can now be stopped by killing one. Right, I mean, right. that to me simplifies it so much more to the point that it's like, oh, maybe this which could have a happy ending. It could. It could. And this is now we're just going to this is maybe where some of your theories at the old office sure. Ace might come into play. The Night King, King himself. Now, in the in the books... It's it's slightly different because I think it's uh, you know referred to more as the Knights King. It might be more related to you know the Thirteenth Lord Commander or, or the history of it. We obviously don't know. And George George loves playing with it, even reading Fire and Blood. There's so many sentences and paragraphs and stories in Fire and Blood that are like this is what happened. I mean, we don't really know because this also was said to have happened, and George loves that. So I wonder. We got a little bit. We see how Leaf put the the obsidian dagger into the heart of what I think might be a Stark or at least a first man. We know that turn, creates the Night King, right? What it all in any? And I, I'd love to know your theories about any anything related to the Night King. What if we learn more about the Night King? Because right now he's just I'm coming for everybody. Come at me, bro! I'm taking over the world. We don't know his. You know, we haven't had a conversation with the Night King. I'd love that. Um, what if we learn something more? Whether he's a Stark, 
good chance. Whether he's Bran, <laughs> I don't think is a chance. And does that change it anything with you where maybe we get motivation? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need that. I yeah. think just this monster that doesn't speak or talk or reason is that doesn't fit game of thrones to me i, mm-hmm. I think we need mm-hmm. to have yeah. a night king for lack of a better term conversation, conversation. <laughs> an evening with the night king yeah. a three-part podcast series sean interviews <laughs> sit, sit let down me tell interview. you about the first <laughs> yeah. but i think we will have some sort of conversation yeah with maybe john snow and the night king um i would actually love that yeah, and maybe, yeah, he speaks uh, the language that uh, David Peterson, uh, uh, the linguist uh, guy who yeah. I had a chance to, to interview on Screen Junkies. I, I inter- we interviewed him for Screen Junkies. Oh, that's great. And, and he had talked about the language he had created yeah. for the White Walkers and how he was even supposed to come back in the episode where we, we saw the Night King being formed and they cut sure. it. Uh, and he had created a lot of the uh, – he created all the dialects for the show. So they – because in the books, the, the the White Walker, they speak, you know, they have their, their language or whatever. You don't really hear it. They laugh. They have, seem to have senses of humor or whatever. That opening scene of the show is a little bit different in the books. Relatively the same. Um, jokes aside, Night King and Jon Snow, one-on-one. Because Hardhome, when he looks down at Jon Snow, to me, either he knows or he's like, I get it. Maybe he doesn't know that's... Jon Snow or Aegon Targaryen the 90th, but he, there's a connection there. Sure. So sure. I'd love a moment like that. Oh yeah. I, I think we need that moment. I think yeah. that's this, that's why I, I said it before, but I'll say it again. This idea of, 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 of using your head versus yeah. using your hands or using your arms or using your body as a weapon, this idea mm-hmm. of hit first, ask questions later that doesn't feel that doesn't feel Game of Thrones to me. What mm. feels Game of Thrones? It's no. Let's use our heads first. Yeah, strategize and think about certain things before we start just waving our swords and hacking away. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can try and reason with this yeah. monster. I would I would actually like that. Mm. But but to me this this whole concept of winter is coming of of everything we've seen from season one that George R. R. Martin has built it it, it stems from this idea of this incoming doom mm. while the war of the five Kings is worried about this stupid right. throne that, that has no significance. Right. Um, a lot of people have said that George R. R. Martin has, you know, taken from different real world events. Mm-hmm. Some, some people have said climate change. Right, I right. definitely feel that's part of it, mm. but it's this idea that I think it's fascinating where mm. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, the idea that if I'm in a place that's a little bit South, am I safe? You know what I'm right. saying? Am I if if I go to Dorne? Am I cool? Am I chilling? Right, right. Because it's not like the Night King can change the sun. But then I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. The well. opening of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. literally a sun going over this mm-hmm. kingdom. Yeah. And he has the power to maybe blot out the sun and control the weather. If yeah. that's his, you know, that's, that's what the long of, night is. That's yeah. what magic is. Yeah. That's his actual power. Mm-hmm. So the idea of taking away the sun or blotting out the sun mm-hmm. in some sort of way. What mission does he have with that? That's yeah. one thought I have. And then the second thought always goes yeah. back to Craster. Yeah. What was he doing with Craster's sons? Yeah. What is his purpose with babies, with male babies? Mm-hmm. That's number one, because mm-hmm. we, ha- I don't know if we've seen a female white Walker yet, no. uh, but male babies, Craster's son, maybe this some sort of reasoning between John and Danny's son that everyone is theorizing that they're going to have a kid. Right. Maybe it's, that's some sort of bargain that, that, he wants all that they give me your son give me your kid and i'll stop this 
freaking be, blotting out the sun. Because, crap. yeah, that, that's so interesting to me. Be, uh, okay. And maybe that's the child this, of fire and ice. This is why you're also better at theories than me, Andres. <laughs> Craster has 99 sons. Yeah, do, are we going to see 99 White Walkers? And essentially, <laughs> it's like, all right, so he's, uh, the, the Night King is building his army through yeah. Craster's because he's not forming Whites, which is W-I-G-H-T-S, which is what um, the, 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 the others are, are the White Walkers, but the Whites are the, are the zombies, so to speak, for those uh, maybe more show than book. Um, so I have always taken, hey, he's building his army. But there's 99 of them. And numbers are interesting in Game of Thrones. Jon Snow's the 998th Lord Commander. The, you know, will it get to 1,000? You know, do you count? Uh, 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 what's the guy on uh, now who's uh, uh, who's in charge of the wall? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's th- not Grant. It's- yeah, it's not Grant. It's not Pip. Oh, my God. Del- uh, Del- Dolores Ed. Ed. Oh, yeah. Ed. There you go. Ed. See? <laughs> I need to go. I'm going to flog myself tonight, Ace. Well, giggity. Yeah, uh, but also, uh, I was always Team Grant. I was like Grant. Oh, Grant's good Grant. <laughs> uh, in the caves. But um, I sometimes I do wonder if those numbers because George R. R. Martin, you know, he's got especially if you read Fire and Blood, he's got all the years and this and that. Craster's got 99, and the 99th kid was the final one taken away that we see up to the lands of always winter. All right, I'm with you, Ace. John and Danny. Ew, they got a kid. I still am a little creeped out by it. Oh, I'm um, very creeped out by it. <laughs> no, I'm very team, you know, not incest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of hot, right? Yeah, I'm with Tyrion, though. I'm in the hallway going, no. <laughs> um, but we have to figure out exactly what he was doing there, too. But all right, is this is this a hundredth kid? Does the Night King come down and say, no, I just want that kid? And they're not going to give him up. That They're not going to give up that kid. No way. So maybe, but if there's a point to what he's doing, I like what you're saying there. And a fun thing for me, I always wonder is, all right, so he come on, he comes comes down Westeros. He's freezing in the north. We the north's already cold, right? No loss, right? Are you, if you're in Bravos, if you're in Pentos, are you reading the newspapers <laughs> coming over on the Ravens, going, ah, it's over the narrow sea. That's it. Goes back to the first long night, right? Yeah. Do, and there and there's cultures who have other stories. We hear it in Game but, of Thrones, right? But it right? did happen in Essos. Right. It did, yeah. So it's it's this idea that. The, the Night's King, the Night King isn't controlling Westeros, isn't, mm. I kept thinking about this over and over again. He doesn't kept, just want King's Landing. Yeah, and, and I kept going back to the opening credits, the opening credits. To me, it's all about the sun. Right, it, okay. it, it's, it's, I mean, I obviously, I can yeah. name so many different mediums. Avatar The Last Airbender deals with this. Okay. The Power of the Sun, all this kind of stuff. But it's that idea of if he's, if, if his magic is so powerful that he can change the weather and he right. can somehow blot out the sun then everywhere the entire world is at threat on a pure uh just as far as a catastrophe wise when it comes to the weather right because freezing cold temperatures the long night no one could see their hands in front of their face the kind of stories that we hear from old man like that's the kind of stuff that people are afraid of you know essos should be just as afraid as west they should yeah absolutely old man stories are the best. I still want to see the the spiders as big the as spiders. <laughs> it freaks that me would out. Be terrifying. It freaks me when they when they and the actress has since passed on. But like when they pan in on her, zoom in on her face. Yeah. And oh, the long night. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, Rob comes in. Yeah. He's, he's like, we, we live in the eye of a, a blue eyed giant named McCumber. Yeah. When Brand and actually and that's a great moment too. When Isaac Hampton. Like, what, what, what if we do? What if we do? Yeah. What if we do? And and the fact that Rob Stark is kind of it's kind of like Robert Baratheon when Jamie tells him Ari's last words. Right. Rob Stark's like, uh, 
dinner? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh no. Um, fascinating stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Essos, how that factors into it. I, 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 for one, as it relates to the show, don't want to leave Essos behind. No, I think we're going to cut to Dario. I mean, Dario is our only connection left there. True. Um, so I think eventually, cause a lot of people were talking about like, what's going to happen to Dario. He's just, yep. gonna, he's not going to be in season eight. She I, I think dumped we'll, him and then moved. Yeah, yeah, essentially. But I think we'll cut to Dario somehow react, reacting to this weird winter that's hit Essos and it's cold now. Cause he's a believer so, in my mind. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I see, I see a cut to interesting. Well, cause the golden this, company, it's a worldwide event. Kind yeah. Of thing. If they got the golden company coming yeah. in and you definitely have castings, you believe we got, we got, we're going to see the golden company. Uh, and Euron's out there getting them. Yeah. My last thing to you, um, yeah. when it comes to the Night King, this whole thing, the Lord of Light. Mm-hmm. This has been something, again, yeah. since I, season two officially, but a little bit in season one. What is this going down with the Lord of Light versus the Night King? Mm-hmm. Is the Lord of Light the evil one? Is the Night King the good guy? Are are, are we seeing something that... So it's going to catch up with the high priest. I, I forget her name. Melisandre? No. Oh, 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 the the yeah. the, the other one that we saw. Oh, gosh. She's yeah. top dog. Her top dog. Uh, um, and she came, she was interviewed at Collider. I wasn't there at the time. I forget. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Kinvara. Is it Kinvara? Yes, Kinvara. Um, it's, uh, that's so great as we, as we start to. Because I feel like in her introduction and in her interaction to me shows mm-hmm. something the connection of Varys, of his, him having She a knows Varys. Yeah. Freaks yeah. him out. To the point where I'm like, do you want to know what he those voices were saying? Yeah, to the point where it's I'm like, chill inducing. Is like the Lord of Light gonna like take over Varys's body or something? <laughs> and, and, and Melisandre saying, "I'm gonna return, and, and you're I, gonna die, and I have to die here." She, yeah. I, we have to believe she's gonna run into Arya again because she says we're that's gonna meet right. again. Yeah. Uh, I think that's forgotten. Even I forget that sometimes. And yeah, and the Varys stuff. So and, and Varys, and it connects to it connects to his his story of origin. It sure. really does. That's so fascinating is if we start to draw to a close here is because we could yeah, go on for hours and hours, <laughs> hours and, and you have another recording to get I to do. with Robert Butler, the third there of meaning, meaning of you guys should check that. We're going to talk about that a little more at the end of the show. Um, I, I was having a conversation and it might've been with Lon and, and we've got to get you, Lon and Rachel and I could have a four hour episode here. Um, I was like, what, what if the night King comes down, says, Hey, uh, Oh, by the way, I'm the good guy. Uh, R'hllor, Zora High, all those things, not good. I'm here to defend you from it. J- John, you don't, not, not that this means J- John or Danny are Zora High reborn and they're bad. That's maybe the, this is why I'm not great with theories. But I, I had that idea. Yeah. Because, and Lon and I were talking about this, I think on a couple of our episodes here with Rachel too. We got all these religions in Game of Thrones. And we've seen things happen, but the only one that seems to be real is whatever's going on with the Lord of Light, and that this is the battle, the war for dawn, war for the dawn. It could end on. You know that. what it is though? It's What's what that? Davos said. Mm. If if your Lord commands you to burn little girls, then your Lord is evil. That to me stuck with interesting because to me I was like. You know, Stannis, right. Stannis didn't make that mistake, Ace. Okay, he was pressured. <laughs> he was pressured. <laughs> but but as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. All this time, maybe he's right. All Melisandre does, we said that she burned the non-believers at, in Stannis' camp. Right. All she does is burn people yeah. that don't believe. Yeah. That, to me, sounds evil already. I mean, this whole concept of, of the Lord of Light yeah. being the site of good, maybe we're, 
not realizing that George R. R. Martin is trying to play this analogy mm. of religion, Interesting. extreme extremism within religion, yeah. burning people who are they consider to be sinners, right, right, they right. Con- like that whole s- real life events that happen, yeah. and he's trying to play at that, showing like, hey, look at these crazy religious people right. worshiping this, and they're burning people, and it's evil. Yeah, like yeah. we think this is good, but maybe it's evil. Maybe what Davil said is true. It could be interesting, and and uh, and, and for those listening, Ace and I are God God fearing men. <laughs> this isn't that conversation. George is very studying this stuff, and there's a bunch of interviews about watching. He is a fascinating person to watch be interviewed. He is at times a little weird and a little uh, quirky and creepy, and it tell, you know just look at his writings. Um, but he's also highly intelligent and a student of history all around the world, and he just rattles this stuff off. And there are interviews of him talking about religion um, that I will admit I have yet to click on they were next in my queue but i've a lot about the the war of the roses and all that other stuff i still think that's really interesting and a possibility uh that the night king comes down and yeah he yeah he's it's like taiwan i've done some bad things but i'm trying to defend myself you know remember we i i was even i uh, had this jokey theory one time that the the night king just wants to get to the god's eye where the pact between the first men oh, and the children were created good. to that's reverse the curse yeah I just want to go home. Give me Heron Hall. I'll be at the God's, God's Eye. We get there, reverse the curse, and leave me alone because I was drug into this. I was a human, and now I'm this, uh, or maybe I'm part of this. And and this priestess and all her people are spewing this stuff, and Azora High and Nisa Nisa, and, and the, the, which a lot of it's not talked about in detail on the show. Um, it could be a big swerve. An M. Night Shyamalan, what a twist. That the Night King's not necessarily the good guy, but not all he's cracked up to be. Could be. Ace, go work on it and make it better. (laughs) (laughs) Season 8 is around the corner, everybody, and we're so glad you joined us here at Casterly Talk. This is a regular thing. I've changed up my Patreon a little bit. You've heard me on the other shows say, hey, it's a Patreon goal of mine to launch the show in full. I've changed all that. This show is here. Uh, We'll try to get regular releases uh, leading up to season eight, but it'll be not infrequent, but it might, some days it might be me. It might be Ace. It might be uh, Rachel Cushing, Michelle Boyd, Lon Harris, and a lot of other people because there's a lot of people in this town who love Game of Thrones, and I love sharing the, the microphone with these wonderful, insightful people. So stick with us here. Subscribe. We're on Anchor and a lot of other places, 12 platforms to listen. I always recommend Spotify. It works the best, and I can share it easy on Instagram. Old Man Ken likes that. Andres Guerrero, we've talked Star Wars, we've talked movies, we've talked a lot of things. You're one of my favorite people in this town, an untapped wealth of knowledge here in Game of Thrones. I'm happy uh, you're going to share some of your insights here in Casterly Talk. Can't thank you enough for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me, man. I love this. Hopefully I didn't go too off the rails. Nah, I, I feel could, like the first 30 minutes is just going. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> favorite moments. I could keep going, but seriously, yeah. uh, Robert, I imagine Robert Butler is waiting outside of a studio going, where's where's Ace? <laughs> yeah. Where's Ace? Uh, you and RB3 do good things. So before we leave, uh, tell them where they can follow you, but more importantly, and well, not more importantly, just as important, uh, what you and Robert Butler III, also known as RB3, are working on yeah come follow us at first cut our youtube channel just type in first cut channel it should come up uh we are doing movie reviews now guys so we're officially launching our movie review part of our channel usually we just put up our meaning of podcasts for those who don't know the meaning of podcasts is where we do a deep dive into different directors every every week and we talk about their filmography 
It's really a lot of fun. So if you like movies, go there and support us. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Squad Leader Ace. Uh, do it. If you're listening right now, get off this uh, show. When you leave the, the, the theater, clean up, pick up your trash, and go subscribe to First Cut Ace and RB3, Andres and Robert Butler are some of the uh, best young voices out there. Please do that. Uh, follow me at Kednapsaw. Casterly Talk does have a Facebook page, but you can also use the hashtag Casterly Talk when talking to any of us. Join the conversation. We always love hearing your thoughts, your predictions, what we got going on. And if there's any other Tywin Lannister fans out there, let us know. You can always support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ken Knapsack. I've changed it from the Knapsack files. That's part of this refresh because uh, Cashly Talk is part of that umbrella now. So you can do that if you want. But as always say, the best way to support anything I do, uh, if you know me and follow me, is just listen, share, and tell the world what we got going on here. We will roll on Casterly Talk. Oh, who will win the Iron Throne? Mm-hmm.